Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yo tengo casi 33 años de ser, de ser forense. Nunca había visto una, una escena así. In spring 2021, reporter Brian Avalar launched an investigation that began in the depths of a grave dug by a serial killer and ended with the government forcing him and other journalists to flee El Salvador. Sonoro and Revista Factum present Humo, Murder and Silence in El Salvador. The story behind a country where the truth and its citizens' rights are buried under the weight of power. Señor Ministro, ¿dónde está Karen y Eduardo Guerrero? ¿Dónde están mis hijos? Listen to Humo, Murder and Silence in El Salvador, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised. But it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. This is Invisible Tears. Hi, I'm Jane. And I'm Amanda, Jane's life coach. And welcome to the Jane and Amanda Show, where we focus on mental health and healing. I'm Jane with Invisible Tears. I'm here with Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hello. We're doing the Jane and Amanda Show. Yeah, typically with the Jane and Amanda Show, we're going to be covering topics uh, dealing with mental health um, and talking about our experiences and also pulling on some research that we've done with some you know, scholarly journals and things like that because the way that you help people with mental health is, um, is you talk about it and you share your experiences. And as long as you're sharing a conversation, you're helping. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and I can only talk about my experiences. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to talk about... Um, you know, what helps me and the experiences that I've been through with mental health. And and one of them is um, gambling addiction and making bad choices mm-hmm. and bad decisions in my life. And, you know, my addiction with gambling actually started very shortly after my attack. It uh, started off with bingo. How soon after your attack, Jane, would you oh, say? Oh, I'm going to say a couple of months. Hmm. I started off with bingo once or twice a week. 
Within a year, I was five times a week. I was going to bingo. Sometimes six to seven days a week, I was going to bingo. And uh, I didn't realize then that it was a, a gambling problem. And shortly after that, I started with uh, scratch tickets. Scratch tickets definitely became a financial problem. Mm -hmm. I worked nights. I worked third shift. And uh, I would I would get out of work in the morning on payday, hit all the stores, headed home. And uh, by the time I got home, my paycheck was gone. Goodness. And um, I knew I had the problem with the, the scratch tickets, but I kind of lied to myself. I, I was in complete denial with myself. And um, it's, even today I feel, I feel a great deal of, of guilt and remorse. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I took, I took a lot of, I spent thousands of dollars um, on my gambling that I, I could have, uh, you know, I could have spent on my family. Mm -hmm. And um, so there was there's a lot of guilt there. Yeah. And then uh, my, my gambling addiction um, eventually turned to um, going to the casino, casino gambling. That's when my addiction got really, really bad. I would, again, I was working third shift and I would leave my house. My family thought I was going to work and I would call in and use a vacation day at work and I would go down the casino and gamble all night. Nobody knew. Um, Why do you think that you were doing that? When you, when you think back and you think, was it I, and I know we've briefly talked about this before, too. Um, was it really an escape? Was it? It was. It, it, I, I had not. After my attack, I never, I never received any counseling. Right. I never received any um, therapy or anything like that. So it was like, it was, um, it was my escape from reality of what really happened to me. Yep, I was going to say it, it was essentially you you self medicating almost exactly. Um, it, it was almost like a, a sense of your therapy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when I was sitting there uh, down at the casino in front of the slot machine, I didn't have to think about anything yeah. except for the slot machine. The slot machine had my complete attention, mm -hmm. and and I just focused on that and that's all I had to focus on I didn't have to focus on or think about anything else um, you know that was happening in my life and you know I even now I think back I, I didn't realize how much my mind was consumed with my attack mm -hmm. but it was there I was there all the time every day I woke up uh, you know, I would think about my attack in one form or another. Uh, and uh, so when I went to the casino, it was it was it was my escape from reality. I, I didn't have to think about that. Yep. Um, but it did produce more problems in my life. Right. Um, 
But I, I, I chose to deal with those problems instead of dealing with my attack. Dealing with essentially the root. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, I mean, I, I think back now with the casino, I have so much guilt because I took time away from my family. You know, all those vacation days I spent down at the casino from work, I could have used those vacation days to be with my kids and doing something fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, even now I I try to, I, I try so hard to be a better mom. I mean, my kids are growing up now. It's, <laughs> you know, they're adults. And um, I, I still have a lot of guilt about that. Uh, I missed a lot of time with my kids. And, you know, unfortunately with my gambling, my family and my kids suffered a great deal because of it. Yeah. And just knowing the type of person that you are, um, I, I can see that it's still still very present now. You still have... A great deal of guilt. I do, I do. I, I I have a tendency of um, overcompensating with them mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Uh, I I guess I just try to uh, I try so hard to, you know, make up for what I didn't do then now. Right. And uh, especially with my granddaughter, mm-hmm. uh, I I feel like I uh, she's my do over. She's my Okay, everything I I did or didn't do with my kids, I'm doing with her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my kids are forgiven. But it's still, it's, uh, I look back and just wish I was a better mom. Oh, I hate, I hate hearing those words come <laughs> out of your mouth. Oh, it I know. hurts my heart. Um, I know. But I do. I do. Mm-hmm. But if there's one thing that I think that you've learned that I think that we all have learned, you know, as, as we get older is that you accept responsibility. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All of your actions. And while sometimes we look back and we wish that we could change things that we've done as long as you own them and learn from them and, you know, move on and um, try not to repeat, you know, those those bad decisions, that's all we can do. Oh, exactly. I mean, I, I absolutely um, have always taken full responsibility for, for my bad decisions. I, I've never used my attack as an excuse. Yep. Um, that, that was one thing I've never done. Um, you know, every addiction hits rock bottom. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> and, true. And um, I hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I hit rock bottom hard. Um, I I belonged to an organization for 25 years. I loved this organization. I loved being a part of it. It was the uh, BFW Women's Auxiliary in Hinsdale, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was a veteran. I did uh, an enormous amount of volunteering for that organization. I did. I, I helped raise a lot of money for them, but I also um, I stole from them. I uh, we were do we were up for elections, 
the auxiliary was. And uh, a very good friend of mine, she um, she was treasury secretary for years. And um, she got voted in for president. And uh, somebody nominated me for treasury secretary. Mm-hmm. And this was 2010, 2009. And I knew I was... I was very hesitant um, to take on that role because of the um, financials that were going to be involved. Um, Somebody else seconded it. I turned it down. And then uh, they ultimately talked me into taking the position. Um, you know, they said they trusted me and um, and knew that I would do a great job. Yeah. So I um, I very reluctantly took the position, and about a year later, I started stealing from them. Now, in a in a when you're a compulsive gambler, you don't. At the time, you're not stealing, you're borrowing. Right. You're borrowing to go gamble to pay that money back. Yep. As as ridiculous as that sounds, um, you're not stealing. In your mind, you're borrowing. And that's what I did. I, um, I stole. So I... Um, I was borrowing from the yeah. the the um, auxiliary when in reality I was stealing. I had paid back most of the money before I was caught, and uh, I openly admitted as soon as I I was caught. I openly admitted that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, took full responsibility for it, mm-hmm. and they had a big meeting. And um, they voted to remove my membership, which was, that was probably the hardest thing for me. Yeah. Because I just love that organization so much. And uh, so to have a a 25-year membership just taken away from you um, was really hard. But I understood. And... um, they also voted to convict me to press charges. Press charges, yep. And um, I went to my first court hearing, which I have to say, this is like, this was all like a blessing in disguise. Everything happens for a reason. Everything does happen and, for a reason. Um, you know, this was just a blessing in disguise. I went for my first court hearing. And this lady came up to me, Jan. Her name was Janet. Very nice. And um, she said, "I have a program. I wanna, I wanna know if you wanna, you know, be in the program." Mm-hmm. It was called Alter- Alternative Sentencing, uh, Alternative Sentencing Program. And um, she said, "You know, this is not gonna reduce your sentence. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna help you with your charges." Um, it's not going to help you in any way with um, all the charges being brought against you. Yep. But I can help you with your addiction. 
Right. The, it's not going to help with the legalities. It's going to help with the cause. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So she said, you're, you know, you're, you're a perfect candidate. Your, your crime is nonviolent, which was really important for that, for that program. You could not have a violent, um, charge against you. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I said, okay. And, uh, I met with her once a week. And one of the things I had a difficulty with was finding Gamblers Anonymous meetings in our area, in yeah. my immediate area. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find any. Um, I've gone online. I went on, um, you know, I, I, I just looked in the paper. And all I saw was um, uh, AA meetings or... Uh, um, NA meetings. Yeah, I was going to say AA and NA are the ones that are yep. all over the place. Actually. And I mean, I even, uh, this is how much I wanted help from gambling. I even went to AA meetings for about two months. Because as far as I was concerned, an addiction is an addiction. Exactly. They all do the 10-step program. And so I did. I, I was going to AA meetings. And, you know, it wasn't... It was helping, but it really wasn't addressing my gambling problem. Right. And um, so when I met with this lady for, from the Alternative Sentencing Program, she found me um, a Gamblers Anonymous meeting down in Mass. It was about an hour away. So I went down there, and from going to those meetings, I was able to find more GA meetings. Nice. around um mostly down in mass and um that was when i f- realized holy crap i'm exactly where i belong mm-hmm. uh i could relate with everybody and getting involved with my ga meetings was was um life changing yeah. so the program was like I had to meet with her every week. I had to show her proof that I was going to my meetings. She wanted me to go to two meetings a week. I was going to five meetings a week. Oh, wow. You know, that's how much I really wanted the help. And I I just um forever grateful for her. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that it really helped me in court, but she did. Um, um, go to court for me, yeah. but um, she also set me up with um, counseling. Fantastic. Uh, but when I first started going to the counseling, it was addiction counseling, right? And that's where everything changed. It was uh, my counselor was I was going for probably about two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking, you know, strictly about my, my addiction, my gambling addiction. And then it came up, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's like, you know, most gamblers that have a gambling addiction have a root cause. Yep. So, um, you know, let's, let's start looking at other, um, you know, other things that have happened in your life. Trauma is the root of addiction. Yes. I have always said that. Yep. But yes, absolutely. Sure is. And uh, so I, I, I told her uh, one day, I said, well, 
maybe this <laughs> maybe this has something to do with my addiction um I was seven months pregnant and stabbed by a serial killer 27 times. I can't even imagine what her reaction was. <laughs> she just looked at me and was like, what? And, and I repeated it. And she's like, um, I've never had anybody make me speechless before. Yeah. You are the first. Yep. And she said, I can't believe you've been coming here for two months and have never talked about it. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I told her, I said, because I didn't want to use it as an excuse. Right. You know, the reason why I'm here is because I got arrested for stealing because I was gambling and I did not want to use my attack for an excuse. Right. I wanted to take full ownership of what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, that was life changing. Yeah. Uh, absolutely life changing for me. After that, yeah, we talked about my addiction, but we really went into depth about my attack. Yeah. And that was the first time in 20 years I have been able to talk to any kind of counselor about my attack. Now, did that feel, did that feel, was, was that scary or what did that feel like such a release, like almost like a relief to be able to talk freely about what you had experienced and, and what you had held in for so long? I think it, it was a process. Mm -hmm. um, like at first I was talking about it like so matter of fact. I can totally see you doing that. And she kind of was, she brought that to my attention. Mm -hmm. She's like, okay. You can talk about this like, okay, yeah, this happened and whatever. She's like, but now let's really talk about it, about how you feel. Yeah. And then that's when she threw out there, I, I, I want to clinically diagnose you with PTSD. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, mm -hmm. I, I don't believe I have PTSD. And this is, I, I was, I was like, because I was so involved with the VFW, the veterans, yeah. I was like, veterans have PTSD. They come back from war. They've seen unspeakable stuff. They've been through unspeakable stuff. They're the ones that have PTSD. Right. And she went over to her computer. I'll never forget this day. She went over to her computer, printed out, if not all, most of the symptoms of PTSD. Yeah. And she handed it to me and she said, you have homework. I want you to go home and look at each one of these symptoms, like really look at them and then come back next week and tell me you don't have PTSD. Right. Okay. Folded it up, put it in my pocketbook. See you next week. <laughs> Went home. I think I was home probably, I don't know, two or three days. And I went to get something out of my pocketbook and the paper was there. I said, all right, I'll take it out and I'll look at it. And holy crap. I had, if not all, 99% of the symptoms. Mm. But I really had to, I had to sit there, not glance through them. I sat there and just read every single symptom. 
like sat with it. Yeah. And that had to have been the moment when you just realized, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy, especially to, I mean, you said how much time you spent within the organization and you're around veterans with, you know, PTSD and, and saw, you know, and, and it's totally understandable given, you know, what they've seen in combat and, and that sort of thing about how they do have PTSD. But it's so common to be able to look outside of yourself and recognize something in someone else but not apply it to yourself without realizing like what you went through I would be shocked if you didn't have PTSD I don't think somebody can go through what you went through and not have PTSD it never crossed my mind right it just I lived in such a facade life yeah that I just I just ignored it all Mm -hmm. you know oh I'm fine I'm perfectly fine I'm living a what I thought, normal life. I'm functioning every day. I'm working. I'm raising two kids. I, I, no, I, I don't think anything is wrong with me. And I was, my life was anything but normal, mm-hmm. especially after, um, I saw it especially after I was, I was diagnosed with the PTSD. Yep. Do you remember any of those, any of those symptoms oh, that really was, stuck out at you? Um, anger. Anger. Yeah. Anger about what happened to me. Oh, of course. Um, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, survival guilt. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time or just relax to a good book, Listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into The Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. And now back to our episode. Survival guilt is a very real thing. Yeah. And uh, I I just, um, yeah, I had survival guilt really bad. Um, uh, Fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, nightmares. Um, I said the anxiety, um, uh, mood swings. Yeah. Um, no trust. Yeah. I didn't trust anything or anybody. Um, I have to, we'll have to print symptoms up and, yep. and really address them. Uh, we'll do that on another, yeah, another podcast. But Absolutely. yeah, I mean, um, yeah, yeah, I, I had so many of the symptoms and and I didn't realize how many symptoms there were yeah. with uh PTSD. And uh it was uh that, that was life changing. It was life changing, but yet when when I went back to her and said, Okay, I have these I have these symptoms, I have PTSD. Yeah. How do I fix this? Right. You know, that was the next thing. I mean, first it was I sat and cried yeah. because I was like, oh, my God, 
I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. Right. You know? And then when I went back with her, I said, okay, can we fix this? I, I'm, I'm going to open right up and, and I'm, I, I want to fix this. Good for you. And, um, she said, okay. She's like, nothing's matter. The, like, you can't talk like, like it's a matter of the fact it's, you can't talk like it's just something that happened. Right. She said, you're probably going to have to, you're going to do something that is going to be so hard for you, but yet so rewarding. And I had to address every single symptom individually it took months and um i i pretty much had to strip myself naked i was just gonna and say just rebuild myself yep. and uh it was hard it oh, was yeah. because That's i had work. to <laughs> i i had to face everything that i've been ignoring for so long exactly head on and, and when you said too, that when you first opened up about your attack, and I've even seen it when, when you, when you were talking as well, when you first opened up about your attack, it's almost, it's almost like in the conversation with her, it was almost like you had removed yourself from it and you were speaking of an event and it was just like reading a fact sheet. Yeah. Like you were just reading the paper, like, Oh, like this happened, this happened, this happened. And that matter of removing yourself from the event is essentially it, it it is a coping way to protect yourself because you are actually removing yourself from that event so with the diagnosis and her being like this is going to be hard I, I can't even imagine addressing each one of those symptoms and the roots okay what makes you angry what makes you think about this when you get the most angry what are you thinking about what happened and it's essentially it is stripping yourself down and reliving. Oh yeah, I, I mean that's hard. I had to talk. I had to talk about my deepest feelings. Yeah. For the very first time ever, after twenty years, after twenty years, there was so much stuff that I just pressed inside me, and never, just never let it out for yeah. twenty years, wow. and I just. It was it was such hard work. Oh my god, cried a million tears. I'm tr- I can cried a million tears I and uh, imagine. but it also saved my life. Yeah, it um it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, changed me. I finally became the person I always wanted to be. Good you for know? you. I'm not perfect mm-hmm. by no means. Mm-hmm. No one um, is. I don't think anybody is perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I make better choices today. Yep. I make better decisions today. Um, I try every day to be a, a better person today than I was yesterday. Yep. Doesn't always work, mm-hmm. but um, I do try that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after my, you know, I was still doing the counseling and um, I had to go to court. Yep. And uh, I had my final court date for my sentencing. And, you know, I knew. I, I knew he wasn't going to be soft on me. I didn't expect it, you know. I did it. I admitted it. I take full responsibility for what I did. And um, 
I ultimately, um, I was charged with six felonies. I had to pay restitution back, which was right around $600. I had to do 250 hours of community service, and I spent 10 days in jail. Wow. The jail part, I have to say, I, I was angry. Not because I had to go to jail for what I did. Yep. By no means. Um, I was angry because I did what I did, and I'm taking full responsibility for what I did, and I'm in jail. But then I think about that son of a bitch that did that to me. I knew that's where you were going. And I I, I thought about that the whole time I was in jail. I'm thinking, I'm in here. And and again, I don't don't make excuses. I, I take full responsibility for what I did. But you can't ignore the fact that my attack definitely has something to do with why I was in jail. Right. And so while I'm in jail, I'm thinking, okay, I'm, there is some sense of I am sitting in jail because of what he did to me. Right. And he's never served a day in jail for what he did to me. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was, I had a lot of animosity about that. And I was pissed off. And understandably so. You can't you can't help, especially especially given that you started, you know, going to the counseling, got the diagnosis, realized you had PTSD. I mean, of course you did. How could you not? From that ridiculously traumatic event that you were in and then you're sitting in jail and, and like you said, you've taken full responsibility. You understood you were, you know, did you had to you had to do what you had to do but my mind wouldn't help but go there too i'm i'm sitting here yes because of the decisions and because of the choices that i've made but had i not experienced what he did to me who knows and also he he he's never been caught exactly he's never He's never had to, um, you know, take responsibility for what he did. Right. He's he's never had to pay the consequences or or anything. So yeah, I sat in jail pretty pretty angry about that. I'd be pretty salty too. Uh uh-uh. Yeah. And and thinking yeah. And then I was thinking, oh, this is exactly where he needs to be. <laughs> yep. I'll tell you what, it was not fun. It was, I, and I only did ten ten days, so, but it was not fun. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, even after I I did everything, I still felt a great deal of remorse for what I did to my to the organization, yeah. to the um, to the VFW, and it took me a long, long time to finally say, you know what. You need to forgive yourself. Exactly. You've taken responsibility. Mm-hmm. You've learned from what you did. Um, you've gotten yourself some serious help. So you do not 
repeat your bad mistakes Mm -hmm. or your bad decisions. And I really had to say to myself, you know what? Uh, It's time for you to forgive yourself. And, um, you know, I have. I have. Um, I don't gamble. Mm -hmm. I make better decisions in my life. And I just try to be a better person. And uh, there's not much more I could do other than that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, good for you. Yeah, as we're talking about um, gambling addiction, too, I wanted to make sure we actually did a little bit of research, pulled up some scholarly articles and things like that. So if if you're listening and you're wondering, um, based off of our conversation, you know, um, if maybe you have a gambling disorder, um, I'm just going to read some of the, you know, symptoms that could clue you into, you know, possibly going to speak to somebody to get some help. Um, if you have, you know, probably at least four more of the symptoms that, that I'm going to read. Um, uh, preoccupation with gambling. A need to gamble with more and more money in order to obtain a certain level of excitement. Um, repeated efforts to stop or reduce gambling that are unsuccessful feeling restless and irritable when trying to stop gambling, often gambling when feeling distressed or helpless, guilty, anxious, or depressed, continuing to gamble even when money is lost, lying to family members or significant people so they don't know about your gambling, loss of a job, a relationship, a career, or a similar opportunity because of gambling, or relying on others to help out with finances that have been negatively impacted by gambling. In much of my research, these these were all very, very it was essentially all the same symptoms um, that were outlined um, for typical gambling disorders. Also, interestingly enough, because I knew that we were going to be talking about, you know, the gambling addiction and PTSD too, um, I found some articles that really outlined uh, the tie between gambling and PTSD. And so there have been a bunch of studies that have shown that uh, people with gambling problems have found um, that 34% of these people also have PTSD, which is a huge number. It's a huge statistic. And I actually found this noted a couple of times in a couple of articles, this percentage. I would have never, um, I would have never thought of this link, but in, in us talking about it, it makes total sense. In addition, uh, people with gambling problems who also have PTSD are also more likely to experience problems with anxiety, depression, substance abuse, impulsivity, and even attempting suicide. That's, that's one of, um, one of the things that I, 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 um, Learn from Gamblers Anonymous, which I was just shocked. Um, problem gamblers have the highest suicide rate of any addiction. Um, one in five problem gamblers attempt suicide. I attempted it twice, and oh I, I would have oh, never I connected. I would have never connected. Um, and I know while I was going to my meetings, we had lost. Uh, 
three people that were going to the meetings to um, suicide, to suicide because of gambling. Um, suicide rate is so high in, in compulsive gamblers. And uh, it was crazy. It was, uh, but I can relate. Yeah. I, 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 I always, um, my suicide thoughts and, and my suicide, my suicide uh, attempts were, uh, I thought was um, more connected to my attack. Right. When in reality, it, it was totally connected to my gambling. It was connected to the gambling. Absolutely. Wow. Yep. I would think that it would just be the the helplessness feeling and the you know essentially being so financially you know in the hole and it, not being able to take yourself out. And, and that's what it is. It's a it's a hopelessness, a lot of hopelessness. Um, and you know it's uh, I what I've learned is compulsive gamblers. It's very easy to hide your gambling problem, right? Um, because you're not, you don't smell it like alcohol. You don't have a a, a smell to it. Yep. There's, you're not walking around high or, or um, what do I want to say? Um, um, like noticeably under the influence. Exactly under the influence. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hide it very well, yeah. and. Um, so when when you hit rock bottom and you have to say to yourself, okay, I have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've hit rock bottom. I don't want people to know still. I don't want people to know exactly what I've done because I've done some horrible things. And the secrecy of gambling is like so high. It's It's as if, I mean, I know with my gambling, I um, I lied, I deceived, mm-hmm. I I gambled in secrecy like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I would not, I wouldn't sit in front of a store and scratch scratch tickets because I'd hate want anybody to see me doing that. Yeah, I would go on a back road somewhere and do it. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't. And with, um, you know, with me going to the casinos, I did it in secrecy because, you know, mm-hmm. it was easy for me to say I was going to work yeah. and just go down the casino. But it's when you have to um, come forward with everything of what you've done and admit everything that you've done. You don't want your loved ones to know. Yeah. Because then you you feel like they think less of you. Mm-hmm. And and you know they're going to be angry with you. I mean, that that's a given. And, you know, you just, you're going through so much with the gambling mentally. Um, by time you have to be open with your family and loved ones, it's you're mentally you're just mentally drained and you're you're mentally exhausted mm-hmm. and um and and you just don't see a way out you don't see a way to fix it you don't you just can't find a way out you don't know where to go what to do and, and suicide's an option and um 
yeah, uh, it was an option for me twice. Um, but because of the programs that I, I was able to be a part of, the alternative sentencing program, which completely changed and, and, and uh, saved my life, yeah. um, there's help out there. Absolutely. Um, there's always you know? help out there. Yeah, you may feel like there's no way that um, um, life could be normal or life can go back to being normal. Um, it takes time and it takes a lot of hard work. But it also takes you to be open and honest, not with just yourself, but with your family and your your loved ones. And once you're open and honest and, and get the help you needed, uh, Gamblers Anonymous was a wonderful program that helped me out a great deal. Um, you know, and gambling does not discriminate. My sponsor, she was wonderful. And she was a nun that stole from a Catholic church. Wow. I could not have been hooked up with a better sponsor because, you know, I stole from an organization I loved very much, which I never would have dreamed of doing. She stole from a a church that she's committed her life to. Right. And, um, you know, and they forgave her and, and said that, you know, she had to go to meetings too. Um, but she got so involved with, with GA that she started being a sponsor for others and um you know i thankful for her too because she's made she's uh she's always called me at the perfect freaking time <laughs> she just knew she was she knew. guided <laughs> she knew exactly exactly um it doesn't discriminate yeah and it, it could affect anybody um you know addiction is horrible ptsd sucks yes. addiction sucks absolutely but you can't ignore it. Exactly. You can't ignore it. Um, and once you and once you make the decision and you own, you know, what's going on, um, it's really up to you to uh, th- there are tons of resources out there to help, which actually reminds me we'll make sure in the description to make sure that we put some links to like a national helpline database, the National Suicide Prevention um, Hotline. Um, and just a couple of resources for anybody that um, wants to do a little bit more research and maybe look out, um, look into and see what's available. Um, if you're feeling like, you know, you may have a problem um, and you want to talk to somebody, we'll make sure and post some resources in the description of this episode um, to make sure that you guys um, can hop on and um, get some help. Absolutely. There's help out there. Um, you just gotta, uh, you gotta wanna, you gotta want the help. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, suicide's not the answer. It's, uh, it may make you feel better at the end because you're painless, but your family still has to, um, your family has to live without you. Yeah. And uh, you don't want to put your family through that and your loved ones. And there's help out there. And you can live a normal, happy, healthy life if you get the help. I mean, look at Jane. 
I know. I know. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely. Um, I had. I, I was so lucky to have all the right resources coming to me. Um, it took twenty years, but um, you know, I never. I never gave up, mm-hmm. and uh, I fully embraced my counseling, and I fully. Um, got involved with my um, my GA meetings, and and that's what that's what helped me. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I can I can give advice for what has helped me, mm-hmm. um, but everybody's different. Absolutely, absolutely. Good for you, and thank you so much for share for being so open about. Yeah. I mean, that it. This is this is hard. This is a hard subject to talk about, and just being so open and honest. Well, I I just I hope to help somebody else. You know, maybe somebody out there is listening and and saying, "Oh my God," you know, if she can get the help, it's mm-hmm. never too late. Yeah, it's never too late. And, and look what she's done and look how, how her life is. And um, if I could help that one person, that's that's one of the main reasons why I'm doing this. Uh, you know, it's I'm being completely transparent about everything in my life. I understand and, and I just want other people to understand that when you go through something traumatic in your life, you don't just get over it and move on. Mm-hmm. It is going to affect your life in one way or another. But again, like I said, there's help out there. Absolutely. You just got to uh, you got to want it for one. Mm-hmm. And for two, we're going to try to to post as many resources as we can for you to get the help that you you may need. Absolutely. You are not alone. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast, hear all future episodes, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current with any events that may be happening with our podcast, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you are looking for everyday items, clothes, collectibles, or a gift for that special someone, you can support us further by checking out our retail store, The Frugal Marketplace. We can be found at thefrugalmarketplace.com or search for us on eBay and Poshmark. We hold an online claim sale on Facebook Live every Monday night at 7 p.m. where you can find our latest items for sales or items at a deep discount. If you're local to the area, please stop in and say hi. You can find us at 919 West Swansea Road in Swansea, New Hampshire. The links for our products can be found in our show notes. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15-minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.